1: That's exactly what we're here to do, shake up the status quo. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, I promise you're in the right place. Stick around for the next 57 minutes and get enlightened and inspired. Today's topic is fine art. That's the buzz on the street. Let me get started. Well, first of all, if you've got a gleam in your eye and a fire in your belly, you want to start your own business, or if you've already started and you're trying to let the world know you have the truly NBT next big thing, Listen up, our three small business experts are back. I'm delighted and I'll reintroduce them in a moment. Today is part two of our special two-part micro-mini-series, I call it, on small business insights. You're going to hear things about how to save time, money, headaches, and heartache. So stay with us. Today's show once again could change how you do business in so many positive ways. Let's get started. To survive today, small businesses must understand the fine art of customer engagement and the importance of cohesive omni-channel branding. You'd have to be hiding under a rock not to know what that is. Your customers, your prospects, are coming from anywhere they choose, they please. Any channel. They're in brick and mortar. They're online. They're on mobile devices. Anywhere in the world, any time of day. You better be there when they're there. So how can you know your customers? It's all about the customer experience. How can you know who they are, what they need, and how can you know, even more importantly, where your product or service fits into their busy lives? They've got a lot going on. They've got just so much money they can spend. You want them. You want them to want you. A lot of interesting parad- A lot of interesting components here to this formula. A couple of hints here. Social media can help you create mini focus groups. We'll talk about that later. Technology. When used right, and the right tools can help ensure that your customers know that you value them uniquely. That's right. Everybody wants to be special, and there's so much more. Let me introduce our panel. Just thrilled to have them back on board with us. Today, I'm happy to welcome Susan Solovec, the, that's capital T-H-E, small business expert. And Susan has sent me this very amazing quote. She says, no company, big or small, can run the risk of being fat, dumb, and happy think that needs to go on the side of a building Susan <laughs> to remain relevant to your customers you must constantly be innovating there's the i word Susan Solovic welcome back how are you today
2: well thank you Bonnie yes you know I just saw a big t-shirt with that on it too you know that would be pretty cool good idea
1: <laughs> there's a small business for us Susan in That's our right, spare definitely. time you and I are going to start so talk to me what is this all about
2: Well, you don't have to look very far. I mean, I used to talk about businesses and brands that were, you know, around when I was growing up on my main street in the little town I grew up. That, you know, if you're over forty, you've never heard of them before. About only seventy-one of the Fortune five hundred companies, the original ones, are remain today. And the reason is the leadership was that dumb happy. They didn't see what was happening. listen they weren't innovating and they weren't staying abreast with the time so they weren't engaging their customers is what you said Bonnie they simply weren't relevant anymore and so they're gone I mean all we have to do is look at Kodak for example I mean they didn't understand that digital photography was the wave of the future and they had to go through bankruptcy most recently we saw what happened with Best Buy they lost their loyal customers because they tried to do too many different things they weren't listening to the marketplace So when I talk to small businesses, one of the things that I hear is, well, you know, that's easy to say. But we're small, mid-sized companies. We don't have big budgets to do research. Obviously, that research isn't helping out the big companies either. But today, the the playing field has so leveled for small businesses because you don't have to go out and hire an agency to do your research. You don't have to hold big focus groups. All you have to do is listen to the marketplace, and you do that on the Internet. You do that by engaging people on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. You go to the rating sites. What are people saying? And not just about your business, but what are they saying about your competitors? And remember, oftentimes what we think are our direct competitors aren't necessarily the ones that we really need to look at. We need to look at companies that are willing away at the amount of money our customers then with
1: that. Some great insights there. Susan's going to call back. We'll get her on another line. And let me move to our second panelist. Don't worry, we'll get Susan back. We're happy also to welcome back Morgan Brown, the CEO of the IIS Group. And I have a shout-out to Morgan, uh, who has been just named a finalist in the EY Entrepreneur of the Year 2015 program. Morgan, we're delighted at your accolade, and I know it's very well-deserved. And here's the quote Morgan sent me. Different people have different presences for how they engage especially in an environment dominated by social media and digital communications. Morgan Brown, how are you today?
3: I'm very well, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Uh, great.
1: Good, good. You must be great. You must be basking in the glow of, of uh, being part of this wonderful competition Entrepreneur of the Year. How does it feel, Morgan?
3: It feels great. Um, you know, very exciting. We've got a great uh, five months ahead of us Uh uh, we've got a nice CEO retreat off to Germany and go see the BMW factory and some great things like that. So I'm looking forward to the experience, I have to say.
1: That sounds like fun. So talk to me about your quote, different yeah. people have different presences. How does this apply to our small business insights today, Morgan?
3: Well, I suppose more uh, it was more focusing in on the preferences. Uh, sorry, presences, mm-hmm. uh, Bonnie. The, the, the challenge that we have, I think, is Uh, 80% of people's buying journey now is typically done online. So they're doing it anonymously. And one of the challenges is that different people want to uh, uh, consume and gather information using different mediums. And it's something that we spend a lot of time internally here trying to understand how we uh, deal with different people's um, uh, different preferences. So whether it might be, online videos or lots of white papers or documentations. Maybe it's mobile, maybe it's not mobile, and maybe it's focusing in on particular verticals that they work in. But I think uh, trying to, to deal with everybody's preference is very uh, challenging in its own right. And because they're anonymous and you don't know how to engage with them because they don't raise their hand until it's very late in the process, you have to be able to cope with all of those different mediums.
1: Morgan, in a small company, a startup... who is in charge of coping with these mediums? And I apologize for saying presences instead of preferences. I've corrected my notes. didn't make sense, but I, I know you're brilliant, so I thought it must have some meaning there. But, Morgan, whose job is it? Is it the job of the person who says, this is my brainstorm, this is the company I'm founding, it's going to be great. Let me go out and see where everyone is and how they want to engage. Is it the job of their first marketing specialist? Is it the job of someone on their core team? At what point do they have to start paying attention to all of that?
3: Uh, very early on, and, and really, it starts with the CEO, and, and he will create uh, the culture of the business. And then from there, he's going to uh, create a, a method of communication based on that culture. Is it very casual? Is it going to be very formal, etc.? So it starts there, and then it has to be driven out out from that particular place into the different mediums that there are. So some of it, you know, is going to be maybe online presentations. Some of it's going to be uh, content driven. But it it starts there and and then as the business will expand and grow, you just bring different people with different skills and maybe uh, um, play to their preferences to try and drive that, that communication out through different mediums.
1: Thank you very much. Sounds like a lot of work, but we all know it's worth it in the end mm-hmm. because you could get to be like Morgan Brown. You could be competing for Entrepreneur of the Year on the EY competition. Morgan, thank you so much. Okay, uh, Carrie Maslin, you're up next. I'm pleased to welcome Carrie back. She's with SAP. And Carrie sent me – well, we love it when we get lyrics from great songs – Who are you? I really want to know. Sound familiar? It was written by Pete Townsend, of course, and performed by The Who, of course. And Carrie's comment is, a brand needs to clearly define and convey what we want it to in a predictable and consistent manner. Carrie Maslin, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me about your quote. Pete Townsend made it to Coffee Break with Game Changers. I hope he's happy about that.
4: (laughs) I'm not going to even try to sing it. So... I was thinking about this whole concept about really we need to engage with the customer and we need to know about them, but we also need to make sure they know about us. And that means that we have to be very consistent and predictable when when communicating with them. So if we've got this professional tone, we have to have that throughout. We can't be casual here, professional there. It's just we've got to be very consistent and this is in our actions, in our words, in our, I mean, it's everything even from our, you know, courtesy in public if you're wearing a company shirt. So it's just to be really cognizant that we want to explain our brand through verbal and nonverbal cues and be very consistent and predictable as we live that. I think that's really important and, again, as important as knowing our customers and what their needs are.
1: Thank you very much, Carrie. I'm gonna circle back to Susan Solovic. You've joined us again. Susan just say hello so we know you're with us.
2: Hi. Hi Bonnie, I tell you. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened to my phone life. Sorry to mess up your show like that.
1: No, that's okay. We're getting uh, wobbly lines from both you and Carrie right now, so we're just going to uh, soldier through and see what we can do. Susan, I wanted okay. to know, you to know that that uh, we're still on the air and everything is going to be fine. Great. So I've Great. introduced Morgan. I've introduced Carrie, and you know what? I'm just going to uh, I'm going to compress this opening segment so we can get some better phone lines. But Susan, you know what's coming next. I have to ask you, where are you right now? Where, what time of day is it, and what's in your cup today? What are you drinking to have that sparkling? presence that you always bring to us
2: you know bonnie i actually am drinking good old iced water i think there is nothing that replenishes your body mind and soul like just a good refreshing glass of water and so that's what i have with me today i'm a big water drinker and i am a big proponent of it
1: And, Susan, you know they only let Bonnie have water, no caffeine on radio (laughs) show. But I did sneak a couple sips of coffee earlier, and I'm paying the price for it. Thank you, Susan. Let's turn to Morgan Brown. Morgan, are you in Dublin today again or still?
3: I am, absolutely, yes, yeah, yeah.
1: What time is it?
3: Oh, God, um, quarter past four, Bonnie.
1: Okay, and so what drinkest thou, Morgan? Tell me something really interesting about Morgan Brown.
3: Well, I'm, I'm actually uh, just drinking water, just like, like Susan, but uh, later on this evening we have the launch of the Entrepreneur of the Year program, so I guess I'll be sipping some champagne over a nice meal in, in Dublin City Centre.
1: That sounds so exciting. Is your team excited about this as well, Morgan, Ian, and the others?
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's re- everybody's rallying behind it. They're very excited and looking forward to the journey ahead as well. Yeah, it's going to be great.
1: Very nice. It it must be very gratifying to work as hard as you do as an entrepreneur and to know that you've achieved something that is worthy of recognition on a global stage must be very, very gratifying. So uh, again, congratulations to you and your team. Carrie Maslin, where are you right now and what time of day and what are you drinking?
4: So it's mid morning for me. I'm in Maryland and I am not drinking anything now, but I'm saving up because I've got a daughter graduating this week. So I will have a toast to her with a nice chilled glass of champagne. Which I could probably also double purpose and congratulate also Morgan for the E and Y entrepreneur of the Year nomination.
1: Well, congratulations to you on your daughter's milestone. And Carrie, any special brand of champagne? It's okay to drop a brand name if you'd like to. Actually, I prefer Prosecco, and I'm not
4: picky about my brand. But uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be whatever we can uh, pick up in uh, on the way up there.
1: Good to know. Okay, Carrie Maslin, thank you. I'm speaking today with Susan Solovec, Morgan Brown, Carrie Maslin. Great panel. We're gonna see what we can do to correct some phone line wobbling going on here so everybody can understand them a little more clearly. Shout out to Jackie Prouse, my colleague at SAP, who is tweeting and tweeting and tweeting and capturing words of wisdom, as well as the IIS underscore group. That's a handle on Twitter. And Carrie Maslin is talking, walking, and tweeting at the same time. We thank you for that. And a shout out to Ursula Ringham at SAP, who is also part of this small business movement to provide great information for entrepreneurs around the world. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to a live Edition. If you're keeping track, this is episode number OMG 182. We do about 50 live episodes a year, and this is Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. Our topic today, if you haven't guessed, is small business insights. Part 2, The Art of Customer Engagement, hence my opening, Fine Art. And we're going to fine-tune your insights and your information on how to do this exceptionally well. We'll be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Bread out.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here.
1: Welcome back, and we're doing some phone line adjustments here. It happens. This is radio. We're all dialed in from all over the world. Brad, do we have Susan back with us yet? I am here. You are here. Okay, Susan, let's kick off the roundtable. Thank you very much. And let me read something from your notes here. Very compelling, and this will really help us level set about what's going on today. Susan told me only 71 of the original Fortune 500 companies remain today. Those of you out there, do your own math. 71 out of 500 that's not a lot. And Susan says it's becoming commonplace to hear about another brand going under. Why? Because the management team fails to take the necessary steps to understand what their customers really want. They're sitting in an ivory ta- ivory tower. They're devising strategy without any real knowledge. They're resting on whatever success they've had. Susan, is this pervasive? Is this a mindset? Don't they get that you've got to be in touch with your customers Twenty four seven three sixty five. Talk to me, Susan.
2: Well, you know, I mean, there are two things that happen here, Bonnie. First of all, the small business owner is so busy running the day-to-day needs of his or her business that, you know, it is hard to sometimes lift your head up and look around and say, what's really going on? Am I really delivering what the market wants? But big companies, as you said in your intro there, they sit in these conference rooms and everybody says, oh, wouldn't it be great if we gave them this and we did that? you know, they don't really know what their customer wants. In fact, there was a CEO competitive analysis survey done a couple of years ago, and the major Fortune 500 CEOs could not truly define what their company's differentiation was from their competitors. So if you can take your marketing material and take your logo off of the the material and put your competitor's logo on there, and it still pretty much applies, you have not defined that extra value. You are not keeping up with the market. And I can guarantee you right now there is somebody out there who is coming up with an idea that's going to be that little extra something, that little thing that you are missing in your business, whether it's a product or a service, that the market, your customers really want, And they're devising a way to bring it to market so that they can take your business away from you. And you do not want to be blindsided by that. That's why you have to stay relevant. You have to listen to the market by going out to social media, rating sites. What are people saying? What are they looking for? And then always keep that dialogue open with your customers and listen to the feedback that they're giving you. They may not even know what it is they want, but if you ask enough questions and you listen, you can define it.
1: Interesting perspective, Susan. I'm thinking of Shark Tank. You know I'm a big fan watching it, and, and Beyond the Tank, I was very disappointed in that add-on show, and I'm glad it was three episodes and gone. That's just my POV, yeah. ignore what I said. But uh, <laughs> Shark Tank, very interesting. People are, are coming on trying to, I'll call it slice and dice, a value proposition, going into a market, into an industry, a niche that is already populated heavily, and the sharks pick them apart. Why do you think anybody needs this? As Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, likes to say, who cares? Who cares? So I think there's a fine line there. Uh Susan, there's a fine line in terms of what a customer's really want and I think the question uh, me coming in as an outsider on this conversation really cuz the three of you are the small business experts the question is do enough people want what you can offer as your unique selling proposition value prop? Is that is that accurate Susan? It is totally accurate. In fact, watching Shark
2: Tank, if you are a business owner, is a very smart use of your time because those questions that those investors ask are critical to any business success. So you may think that your idea to sell toast on a stick is the best thing than sliced bread and everybody's going to want it, but unless you can really quantify that and define it and know that not only enough people want to buy it, that they're willing to pay a price for that toast on a stick, that is going to help you build a profitable and sustainable and scalable small business. So those questions, I mean, honestly, I have talked to people who wanted to audition for Shark Tank, and the best advice I've, I can give them is go get your hands on every past show, watch it, write down every question, and if you can comfortably answer those questions, you're going to be in.
1: Wow, great advice! I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I that there's a, a what we used to call it a primer or a primer a primer on on how to enter a market. Thank you, Susan Morgan Brand. You've been waiting patiently. Thoughts on what Susan shared with mm-hmm. us, please?
3: Yeah, well, I think this is something that we spend a lot of time working on at the moment because when we started out and we had less than fifty customers, you would know them intimately. You'd you'd, you'd know exactly what their needs were on an ongoing mm-hmm. basis. But as the business has grown now to almost 500 customers across three countries, the challenge comes in knowing what each each individual customer wants. And then we've had to reposition the business to sort of see whether we should target particular verticals or particular uh, types of customers. And then going back to what Susan said about understanding what your unique selling point is, it's very difficult to, you know, sometimes you've got to readjust your business around that as the business grows because you can't serve everybody in lots of different markets so it's a real challenge for us i have to say it has been over the years and so that we put a lot of effort into at the moment
1: very interesting. And that's also a, t- a comment that comes up on Shark Tank frequently, Morgan. I, I think Susan knows this as well. Uh, they say, stop adding skus. Stop adding more and more. We want to know what are you doing with what you have. If the core idea is so good, find your market, find your niche and go for that and stop telling them, well, we're going to add 15 different designs and 20 different shades and 22 different new scents in the next six yeah. months. And we're not sure if we want to be brick and mortar. We don't know if we want to be uh, all online. We don't know whether we want to focus. And, and Big debates. Very instructive. Thank you, Morgan. Great insights. Carrie Maslin, join us. Thoughts?
4: Yeah, so I think that what I would add is not only the question that you asked, Bonnie, which is do enough people want it, but are you also pre- presenting it and proposing it to meet a need? I think this goes back to kind of sales 101, where are you talking about the features or are you talking about the benefits? Are you explaining the problems that this solves and the pain points that it's relieving, Or are you just describing it in, I would say, you know, boring features, you know, it does this. But, no, we need to start making sure that we talk about it in terms of the relevance to the user.
1: Thank you, Carrie. Susan, I'm going to circle back to you. Any thoughts on what your co-panelist just shared with us?
2: Well, I think that we have all brought some great perspectives to this. I think Morgan's perspective in constantly repositioning his business as it's growing is – just very insightful because I think a lot of
1: small business owners,
2: as their business grows, they do lose touch and they don't recognize that you've got to keep that entrepreneurial spirit alive, keep that spark that got your business going and that connection that you had with your customers. You've got to keep that alive in your organization, and that's, it's easy to lose sight of that. So I totally um, support that.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Susan and now Morgan I'm looking at your notes some interesting things here I'm going to pick out one sentence I really like and, and we've talked about how do you find the customers how do you find your niche how do you speak to your prospects where are they coming to you can you meet them on the channel of their choice at the time of their choice at the place of their choice okay now let's talk about you've gotten them you're out there you're marketing something and the customers are coming in the door the next step is you want to keep them so Morgan Brown says, happy customers, and that's what I want to talk to you about, Morgan. Happy customers increase profitability, revenue, and relationship growth. How do you keep them happy once they made that first purchase? Morgan, thoughts, please?
3: Well, the cost of selling to an existing customer, and this is where it comes from, Bonnie, the cost of selling to an existing customer is so much lower than, than the acquisition of a new customer. So that's why I feel it really adds to the bottom line. So if we can... Uh, keep selling and innovating and bringing potentially new products or services to our existing customers, that's the easiest sell of, of the day. So that's why it adds the bottom line so much. Uh, keeping, keeping them happy is very challenging because they all have different requirements and different needs. So, uh, you know, we can look at lots of different uh, channels of communication, you know, whether it be uh, blogs or videos or whatever in that type of environment. But the personal touch is also very important. Uh, And I think sometimes, especially I know last week we talked about the millennials and, you know, the the digital uh, revolution and everything, and we're all pushing everything electronically. But that human touch is is still very important. And knowing the the person and interacting with your customers on a one-to-one basis is still critical to understand them.
1: Thank you, Morgan. I have a question for you on that point. Once you get them in the door and you've already spoken to your customer, you've already said, hey, we're in the process of developing, fine-tuning, tweaking, getting this thing to market, and we want to know what you really want. We've established that that open communication is good. But what if you get going, you're building a customer base, Morgan, you have your product, your service, your niche, you're really starting to take off, and those same original customers come back to you and say, We'd really like you to tweak this. We'd really like you to maybe retrofit this. We'd like to see another design. You know, we'll stick around and be loyal to you. We'll be your loyal customer. We'll tell everybody about you. But we really think since you asked us originally, we think that we'd like you to do something different. How does that response cycle go? You want to keep them happy. The cost of doing business with them is is a known factor is going to be less than going out for new customers, new a new base. So, Morgan, what do you say to them? Do you say, yes, of course, we'll turn this company into a make-for-me production company? Or do you say, okay, thank you for your thoughts? How do you handle that?
3: Well, I think you've got to bring them on the journey with you a little bit and, and get them to understand what's involved in that process. So it's something that we do. We, we have, we would have product and we would also have make, make for you kind of solutions as well. And we try and fit in with both, but we, we set the expectations around both offerings to the customers and try and, and, and ensure that they understand what the impact is around a off the shelf product versus something that's made to measure. So it's something that we, we sort of bring them on that journey, you know, and we, we uh, involve them in it as best we can.
1: Thank you very much, Carrie I'd love to hear your thoughts on keeping customers happy. What do you think
4: Well, I think it 's really important, as Morgan pointed out that co- the cost for acquiring a new customer is significantly higher than maintaining and keeping your current customer base happy and growing within that within their environment. So I think it 's really important to listen to your customers. Um, I think it's important to nurture them. And I hear from a lot of customers that tell us, you know, sometimes we only hear from our vendor once a year when it's time to renew our contract. Well, if they would have been calling us on a regular basis, they would have known that we weren't happy six months ago or six days ago or six weeks ago. So to me, I think this this whole idea of nurturing and listening and, and this human touch that Morgan is talking about, it's essential. And it's essential that you don't only contact them once a year when you say, hey, it's time to renew.
1: Thank you. You've got to be there before they're expecting you to be there. Is that the bottom line, Carrie?
4: Absolutely.
1: You care. And and I think this was uh, something I put in my introduction was from your notes, uh, Carrie, you say technology, well, we'll get to that later, can help ensure your customers know that you value them uniquely. There's the experience, there's the personalization, and there's the keeping in touch. You have to be assertive, aggressive, whichever word you want to slice and dice there. Thank you, Carrie. Susan Solovic, thoughts on what we just discussed?
2: Well, you do have to be engaged with your customer and... You know, over the old saying, over deliver or uh, over deliver, set expectations and over deliver. Um, so I think that's important. But you know, I really think that there's there's research out there that shows that if you have a really loyal customer, if they feel like a special VIP with your business, and it's not hard to do that, but if they really feel like they're a VIP with your business, they will actually overlook some things that might like drive another customer away. So they really do have a vested interest in your success. They are loyal, and they're going to be some of your best marketers out there because they're going to be out telling people how great you are and how special they make you feel because that's what we all like. In this high-tech world, we all like that high-tech, and we all want to know that we are somebody special with the people we're doing business with. So I think that's, that's so important.
1: Thank you, Susan. I'm looking at Carrie Maslin's notes now. We have a a lot of time left, and we have a lot more territory to cover, so I'm just going to keep finding these gems of wisdom in the notes from my panelists. Carrie, you say, it's important to remember that every interaction forms your brand with your customers or prospects, from online to if your van with your logo cuts someone off on the highway, oh, bravo on that one, Carrie, to the neatness of your employees' uniforms to the timeliness of your communications, Carrie, just small companies get this or do they need somebody to take them out behind the barn and smack them on the side of the head and say, wake up. Everything you do is part of building your brand, either building it up or tearing it down. How do they learn this lesson, Carrie?
2: Uh, That's a really good question
4: and I think this is true for everybody, (laughs) not only Uh small businesses, but I think, again, you want to be very conscious aware and purposeful about sending a consistent message again what is the the brand what is the culture that you want to convey and are you doing that consistently and in every interaction you talked about omnichannel in your opening mm-hmm. comments Bonnie and that's right however the customer wants to see you are they seeing the same you and I think that's just um, it, it's something to be aware of that every time you walk out of your home with that logoed hat or shirt or car or van, you are representing your company and it's just really it's it's something that needs constant reminders about.
1: And Carrie, let's take that one step further if if you don't mind. The constant reminders, as a company grows, as you bring on board more people You have to have somebody in the company who is credible, believable, knows how to speak internally to these people, these sales associates, these drivers, these delivery people, any handler, your telephone, communications, your service center, everybody, they have to know that they're part of the company brand. Now we know that's a big problem, especially for large big box retailers who are hiring so many people. The message doesn't trickle down. Carrie, any thoughts for a small company starting out and how they will, how they can get that message across so that every new onboarded employee or partner or anybody who touches their brand and communicates their brand gets that their actions matter. Any thoughts on that?
4: I, I think it does start with the onboarding. I think it starts with when you when you bring a new employee in to let them know what we are all about, how we want to have consistency in this messaging um, it might even have to go to a social policy are you using good judgment on uh, when you're engaging with customers through social and then I'm a big believer in m b management by walking around I don't uh-huh. think this is a one time event I think that when you are with your employees, whether it's on a sales call, whether it's wandering by their desk during the middle of the day, whether it's watching, um, participating in a tweet chat, or looking at their social, it's to really catch good behavior in the moment and talk about it, and catch something that can be improved in the moment. It's much more effective to do this management by walking around and and really give that feedback immediate. It's the immediacy of that. You just did that really well. You handled that difficult customer in an, you know, beautifully awesome way. Or how could you have done that differently? So it's, it's to me, it's doing that reminder on an ongoing, regular, daily basis versus, again, once a year at the performance evaluation when you say, you know, months ago I didn't really like the way you Mm -hmm. did that. So I think MBWA is, is just critical to making sure that that your message, again, is getting carried through by every employee on a regular basis.
1: Thank you, Carrie. Susan and Morgan, I want you to chime in on this. you agree with Carrie? Any other thoughts on how to convey that message from the top down every time you bring somebody on board or touch a partner company? Um, Susan, Morgan, who wants it? Well,
2: I have to agree with Carrie. I think it's so critical that – That, that it becomes a part of the culture. It's not just rhetoric, the way you want to engage with your customers. Uh, one of the things that I did when I was running my business is when we brought new employees on, we would get together and we would have a little, like, uh, storytelling time about the early days of the company and what it was like and what our purpose is. And we would really get them a sense of feeling that they were part, really truly part of the team and building something that they just didn't come in the door and flop down and You know, here's your job and this is what you do. That they're really part of the bigger picture. And I think that getting employees engaged in that vision so that they all understand what everybody's trying to achieve here is an important piece of the puzzle and it's also important that as the founder of the company the leader the management whatever that you also treat your employees the way you want them to treat your customers because sometimes if they're not being treated well internally they're going to turn around and not engage well with your customers
1: thank you Morgan I know you want to join us on this thoughts please
2: Well, it's something that we're actually
3: focused on at the moment, um, Ah. Bonnie, so it's of big interest to me. Uh, And we're in the process of trying to further define our brand and getting right down into the root of that. And I think it goes back to the kind of people you hire and whether they actually match your brand also and whether they want to represent your business in the same way you do. And the CEO, I think, has has to carry that first and live by the ethos and the culture that he sets out within the business. And then everybody else will learn from that uh, and, and pick up on it. But uh, it's a real—it is a real challenge as you scale your organization, trying to maintain that—that um, that, that everybody follows through on, on what the brand and the culture is all about.
1: Thank you, so Morgan. I, think,
4: yeah, sure. Go I was ahead, Carrie. i to add to that because, yeah. to me, I think that what Morgan said is just—it's so right. So, Morgan, in your case, uh, you know, are you stating a very clear set of you know vision, mission? strategies and does everybody in the organization understand how what they do links back up to that, supports that. So it's it's you know, kind of what Susan, what you're saying and Morgan, what you're saying, I think it's really important that an employee feels a sense of engagement, commitment, an understanding of how they fit to make the company's mission come true, and, and that is a challenge. But I think that again, that challenge starts from you know Morgan from you, <laughs> in your in your case, and it's yeah. it's so important that other people understand that too.
1: Thank you, Carrie. Morgan, yeah, any response uh, to Carrie?
3: If you if you can get to the point of uh, of creating a purpose for everybody and that they feel that they're bought into a common purpose it's half the battle. Uh, People want to be in in work and they want to be representing you because they believe in that purpose that you're trying to set out. And that to me is the ultimate goal of any brand and the employees that work for that particular business is to create that, that purpose.
1: Interesting. This is Bonnie. I want to make a comment to our listeners. Uh, we said we're talking about small business insights, part two, the art of customer engagement, but as you're hearing from my three panelists, Susan Solovic, Morgan Brown, and Carrie Maslin, very wisely they're sharing that your brand goes beyond just what you intended the company to do, what your product or service looks like, your hours of operation, and where your customers are coming to you. It's touched by everybody who works for you, with you, around you. So we're talking about looking inward at the company and how do you give purpose to your employees your partners your handlers so that they are engaged and understand that customer engagement is part of their job too not just oh i have to go to work oh it's friday damn it one more day can't wait for the weekend it's i'm part of a company and i'm representing it and that's so important so those of you thinking you were just going to hear about what do you say and do to your customers you got to look inside so Let's look at another topic. We've got plenty of time here. Susan Solovic, I'm looking at your notes here, and I saw something very interesting. You say, actually, in today's world with social media and other technology-based resources, you can stay a step ahead of your competition by listening to your to the market. Some of the resources include rating sites and social media platforms. Susan, you want to introduce this for us? And then, of course, we'll ask for Morgan's and Carrie's input.
2: Oh, certainly. I mean, I remember... Years ago, when I was in both the corporate world and and my own entrepreneurial efforts, if you wanted to do research and really get a sense of what was happening in the marketplace, you had to go out and hire a research firm, and it was expensive, or you had to host focus groups. And, you know, that was really the only way you could really get a sense of what was happening. But today, if you're really participating on the internet with social media you can understand what people are thinking and saying very easily you can go to rating sites and you can look at what not only are they saying about your company but what are they saying about your competitors and other businesses that are similar to yours because that may help you identify a new little tweak that you can make in your business to add something of value to the marketplace the same with social media you know, it's it's a thing that people like to do business with people they know and trust. We've heard that forever. Mm-hmm. Well, social media gives you that opportunity to, to engage that way without having to be face-to-face. So I'll, I'll tell you one quick story. I was in Washington, D.C., getting ready to testify and uh, before a hearing group, and this woman comes up to me. I was getting a little coffee and some uh fruit and things at breakfast. She comes up to me and she starts saying, hey, Susan, how's your book doing? How are your dogs? How's your travel? And I finally looked at her and I said, I certainly apologize, but I haven't had this first cup of coffee yet and I can't taste you. And she said, oh, honey, you don't know me. I just follow you on Twitter. But she felt like she had a relationship with me. That is how powerful it is.
1: That's that's charming. That's absolutely. Susan, I have to share something with you. I, I think, you know, I don't know if the other panelists do that. I produce and host two local locally based cable TV shows, and one is with my mom, who is now 98. And I call her the star of our show called Senior Moments, The Happy Ones. We just did our 237th episode last night at a local TV studio. And people stop me on the street, Susan. They stop me in the supermarket. They stop me when I go to vote in local elections. Bonnie, how's your mom? I look at them and I say, have we met? Thank you. I'll right. tell her. And then I call, I call mom and I say, somebody told me they saw you on TV or they saw your picture on Facebook once in a while. I said, somebody sent their regards. I think his name is Bob. I think her name is Mary. And mom says, oh, that's nice. And so reputations do precede us. And it's a <laughs> great story. I'm sorry. just made me yeah. smile. Yeah. My mom, mom is a treasure. <laughs> Thank you. Morgan Brown, thoughts on what Susan just Shared. Go ahead, join
3: us. Yeah, I think um, uh, the, the the challenge with with um, the, the social media piece is that they do know you, but they also talk about you, and you don't know that they're talking about you. And you know, the challenge, um, you know, I know you can set up alerts on on social media to sort of alert you to what people are saying about you. But mm-hmm. in the same way, they know you. They they know. Sometimes they know a little bit more about you than you may know about yourself a little bit like what Susan was saying there. And that, for a small business, is very challenging because uh, sometimes people are less uh, ready to talk about the good things you've done for them as they are about the bad things. So I, I don't want to focus on the negative, but it is the social media side of things has two sides to it, really. And, and it's something that we all have to be very careful about.
1: Very, very true. We, we've said on many of our episodes, Morgan, on, on our various series here, SAP Game Changers Radio, that the public, your customers, your prospects, everybody owns your brand as much as you do. They're the ones out there mm-hmm. saying things about you. And first of all, you'd better know about it. You'd be able, better be able to respond in an elegant and polite and positive mm-hmm. way. And you better be prepared to pivot if it's important and do something about it. Good points, Carrie Maslin, thoughts on social? Where is your brand? Who owns it right now?
4: So everybody owns it. You're right. And mm-hmm. social media is here to stay. So you better be using it and you better be following it and you better be listening and monitoring how uh, your, cu- your company is being discussed. Um, but I don't want to lose the fact that it's still every employee's responsibility to hear Listen and monitor in a more personal human one to one way as well. So you might not get all the nuances through social of how is a customer using your product? What do they like about it? What don't they like about it? What do they want to see? What do they need? You might get that, but you also might get more if you if you do that human, again, phone call visit. So I, I don't think it um, eliminates people. I don't think it replaces the human touch, but I think it's absolutely essential. And if you don't have a social and digital strategy, uh, it's it's not too late, but you better get one.
1: Good. Good words of advice. Thank you very much. I have a quick quote here I'm going to insert before, Morgan, we go to something else in your notes. This is in Susan's notes. She quotes Jerry Garcia. Of course she quotes Jerry Garcia. He's <laughs> worth quoting. He says, it's not enough to be the best at what you do. You have to be perceived as the only one who does what you do let's just leave that on the table and now i'm going to segue right into some notes from morgan you say buyers are willing to pay more for a better customer experience which does go back to what jerry garcia said but you add morgan brown says don't ever think you've nailed customer engagement it is always evolving do you agree with jerry garcia morgan and thoughts on better customer experience costing more talk to me
3: yeah the the I think the buyer's journey changes quite regularly. I know we're coming out of a recession, for example, and the customers during a recession would have been uh, slower to buy, more conservative, risk-averse. And we're moving very quickly into an environment where people have pent-up demand and have a a requirement to buy quickly uh, the things that they couldn't afford to buy during the recession. So even in that, the engagement with the customer and how you engage with that customer has to change so potentially you have to be more expert than, than more sales-driven. Uh, so it's very, um, it's, it's very challenging to stay on top of that all the time. And I, I feel that just by both engaging with your existing customers but also getting some information from your newer customers to try and understand how things are changing will give you that edge, I think, in terms of the, the sales process and, and even a buyer's journey um, as it does evolve uh, through, through with different external influences like recessions and things like that.
1: Thank you. Carrie Maslin, thoughts?
4: Well, I think that you do need to have a unique value proposition, circling back to you know what Susan was talking about earlier. And I think you also need to be able to explain that in the customer's terms. So you uh, – you don't want to talk in generalities. If you're trying to talk to a, a law firm, you want to use their terms that they're comfortable with. You want to give them the comfort and the confidence that you understand their business and that you are uniquely qualified to serve them. So to me, it's, it's both understanding the value prop that you bring and putting it into the terms of
1: their language, their jargon, their pain points, solving their problems. That's right. I have another Quote in here somewhere from Susan about it's it's not about you. Uh, Susan, where is this quote? It's something that a news director once said. to You, I'll find it in a minute. But what? You're right. good. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: yeah what, my news director told me, you know, it's always eighty percent about the story and twenty percent insight in who you are. So that's kind of the rule of thumb I also use with social media. People want to know you as a human being, so they want to get a sense of who you are and what you're about, and that's developing that rapport and relationship.
1: Thank you. And guess what? I have a message for our listeners. I'm just going to take a quick break from this wonderful roundtable. A lot of great energy and insights here. I hope everybody's taking notes. And by the way, if you haven't been taking notes, you can listen to the replay in about two hours. However... Go to Twitter, hashtag SAP Radio. We have a party going on here. Jackie Prouse, my colleague at SAP, is tweeting madly, as is Ursula Ringham. And Todd Idler, welcome. We haven't seen you pop up here in a long time. And IIS Group with Morgan Brown is tweeting. And Carrie is talking and tweeting at the same time. We love multitasking. And SAP for Small Business also tweeting. So we've got a good party going on here. My message to our listeners is SAP wants to hear from you if you're a small business. Small business owner, if you're enjoying the insights from our panelists today, we'd love to hear your business questions, your IT questions. Why? Because we've set up. Jacqueline Prouse has set up the small business coach. All you need to do is post your questions, comments, inquiries on Twitter at hashtag. That's hashtag, not the little at sign, the pound sign. Small biz qs. I'll spell that s m a l l b i z q and then add the letter S, or you can send them by email to newsroom, N-E-W-S-R-O-O-M, at com. This Small Business Coach series is running every Tuesday from May 11th, which was just last week, through August 12th. So Twitter, hashtag SmallBizQS, or... Email newsroom at sap.com and put in the subject line, I want to talk to a small business coach, and Jackie will see that your question gets pointed at the right resource. Thank you very much. Okay, let's see what time we are now. We have eight minutes till the end of the show, and I want to make sure we have enough time for for our predictions round, our our, uh, crystal ball. So my question to the panelists is, Anybody have any comments, any great insights on what we're calling Small Business Insights Part 2, The Fine Art of Customer Engagement? Anything else we haven't covered? I know we've covered a lot of information. Susan, Morgan, Carrie, I'm going to open the floor up for just three minutes and then we're going to run quickly into the predictions round. So any of our panelists have something else you want to add? It doesn't have to be on what we just talked about. It could be without a, without a graceful segue. Any points you want to make? Susan, Morgan, Carrie? Well, so I'll start off and... Go
2: ahead, Susan. Um, I'll start off and to say that I think in the future what we're going to see, and I touched on this earlier, is we've gotten so high-tech in our world today, which is good because it increases productivity and profitability. But I think that we still, as human beings, crave that high-touch. And I think down the road we're going to see small businesses have a unique value proposition and a unique competitive advantage when it comes to being able to deliver that customer service, that really high touch. And I think that's going to give small businesses a little boost that they can really use.
1: Thank you. You kind of started us already on our predictions. Do you have a uh, future oh. date you want to talk about Susan? That's just fine because we're almost <laughs> at that time. Do you oh, have a, okay. a date with this I didn't
2: mean to jump at you. No, no
1: um, that's yeah, okay. No. I love it. I love it. So any any date on uh when things are going to change? You see things changing and morphing very quickly or is this long term?
2: No, I think it's going to be an evolution, not a revolution. But I think over the next couple of decades, we're definitely going to see that it's going to be the, the a world of entrepreneurs, of small businesses, and um you know, big companies need small businesses because they can, they're more flexible, they're more nimble. But I think the customer base also, as Morgan said earlier, uh, you know, the people are willing to pay more for that customer experience. They're willing to pay more for things that they value, and I think we're going to find that that's going to be a real advantage for small businesses.
1: Thank you very much. I guess we're already into our predictions round. Morgan Brown, you can start off your predictions round with any other topics we didn't cover, and then why don't you tell me how far in the future you see something being different about this conversation. Morgan?
3: Yeah, I think uh, the customers are going to become less sticky. I think that's one of the challenges we're going to have uh, as as social media and the uh, pushing push marketing happens more and more on Facebook and other social media uh outlets we're going to find customers and moving from one supplier to another much more than they would have done before so staying on top of that relationship and making sure you stay relevant with your customer is going to be the biggest challenge i think uh small businesses are going to have
1: thank you very much evolving carrie maslin thoughts future any any uh hot topics you want to bring up before you predict because we do have a little time left
4: well, I was also going to bring up some other aspects of technology. So we've talked a lot about social, but I think that there's a lot of this big data technology right, right now, or even just analytics technology. And that is really allowing the small business owner and the small business organization to understand uh, and predict, um, do some propensity models, understand which promotions are working for which customers. So, I think that technology is taking the intuition and the guesswork out of what your customers are really looking for, and this type of customer, this profile of customer seems to respond better to this type of message or this product uh, option or whatever it is. So I didn't want to just only talk about technology in the realm of social, but also to have um, our listeners think about technology around analytics and predictive and propensity modeling and uh, customer listening. And there's there's a whole bunch of other technologies available to help you not only with your own operational efficiencies, but also satisfy your customer. Because as we've been talking about a couple times today, your happy and your loyal customers really are just your multipliers into the market. Um, and so that does lead into my prediction, which mm-hmm. I think and it's already I think the future here has already started that customers are more digitally savvy and socially aware, and they expect that you know them. They are going to constantly increase their expectations that you are giving them this personalized, unique, custom experience. And since we know so much about them, uh, they expect us to act on that knowledge and really deliver them something that delights them and exceeds their expectations. And I think that the customer expectations will continue to grow.
1: Thank you, Carrie. Question for you. The delight part of the experience, do you think that's worth more money? to people who were buying whatever your product or services we already established that extraordinary higher level customer service may be valued at a higher dollar price point but what about that delightful experience uh, still a question of do you go to a local bakery and buy something that they made a thousand of this morning or do you go down the street to a boutique bakery and wait and give them your order and come out with something that's so amazing it just changes your whole experience that day your whole life so Do you think more and more people will be willing to pay more for that delightful experience, thoughts?
4: I think when they think about it, they will. So the example I always use is if you are going to have um, surgery, are you going to find the cheapest surgeon or are you going to find the board certified surgeon? So, you know, what's important to you um, and are you, do you want to be delighted or do you want the best price? Or, you know, do you want a a unique uh, engagement or do you want a standard copycat engagement? So I don't know that it's necessarily one size fits all, but I do think that delighting your customer, giving them that surprise, giving them more than they expect, turns them into loyal customers, uh, turns them into advocates, turns them into spokespeople for you.
1: Thank you very much. I have a bonus question for my panel, and we're going to give you each two-sentence answer or else just a yes or no. (laughs) Susan Solovic, the small business expert, are we going to see a great surge, upsurge, uptick of millennials starting their own businesses based on conversations like we're having today, inspired by all of you, and by Shark Tank? Susan?
2: Yes, we are definitely going to see an upswing in millennials just because – they want to be more in control of their destiny and their work-life balance and uh, style of working, and so absolutely.
1: Okay, thank you, Morgan Brand at the IIS Group. Millennials coming to the fore of entrepreneurs and startups. Thoughts?
3: Yes, absolutely. The the question is, will I know about it, Bonnie? Because um, ah. they, they, everything happens in such a different way now. Will they sneak up and catch us from behind? That's the challenge, Ooh. I think,
1: maybe. Interesting, interesting. I think we need a part three, Jackie Prouse. You gotta invite them back. And Carrie Maslin, quickly, yes or no on millennials coming to the top of the pile of the heap of entrepreneurs in the near future.
4: Absolutely, and the door is open. Listen to how Susan opened the, the call with 71 per, or only 71 of the original Fortune mm-hmm. 500 are on there. Who's filling this? The new
1: growing small businesses, and I think they're gonna be led by millennials. I think so, too. Thank you very much. Susan Solovec, the small business expert. I have to emphasize the Z because it's all caps. Morgan Brown, <laughs> congratulations again. Carrie Maslin, thank you so much for joining us. Shout out to my colleague, Jackie Prouse at SAP News Services Team for putting together this great concept. And, um, Jackie, a little rumor. Somebody told me on email about a week ago that we might end up with a small business series later in the year, and you might be part of that as well as your colleague, Ursula. Love to talk to you. Carrie, I think you might be involved in that as well. Thank you to our tweeters. Carrie Maslin, Ursula Ringham, Todd Eidler, good to see you, Ian at the IIS Group, I assume it's Ian there, and also, of course, to Brad and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Hope you've enjoyed this. And so remember, free small business coaching, email newsroom at sap.com or tweet hashtag smallbizqs. Jackie Prouse is waiting to put your question to the right expert here's my call to action very simply fasten your seatbelt. i know somebody already invented it. it's not that delightful but put it on what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today bonnie d graham signing off for another live edition a very exciting one on coffee break with game changers talk to you tomorrow morning on innovating innovation with game changers bye bye